Matthew chapter 2. In this uh, section of Scripture, Matthew chapter 2, we have the journey and the visit of the wise men. Uh, we could say we have the journey and the worship of the wise men, as we will be seeing. Uh, they saw a star or a brilliance of light somewhere in the east. We'll talk about this. And um, then they went to Jerusalem, and that light or that star guided them right over the place where the young child was. And the scriptures are very clear. They found the Messiah, the promised Messiah, and they were overjoyed at coming to find the Savior. And uh, I think if you look back on your own life and experience, if you know Jesus is your Savior, you will look back and say, you know, when I found Christ, I found joy, real joy, inner joy, uh, because of what he has done for me. And it's a joy that cannot be compared with uh, the joy of uh, someone winning a sports event. And it's fun. It's fun to watch the Cowboys win once in a while. Uh, <laughs> and there's a lot of joy. I mean, I've seen people celebrate at the winning of a sports event, and that's, that's fine. But the, the joy we have in Christ runs deeper. You've seen the joy of people who have um, won uh, a lot of money, like the Publishers Clearinghouse, and you see them go crazy after winning big money. But the joy that we have in Jesus Christ goes deeper than that. It's a joy that literally stays in our lives. I remember a number of years ago of a man, in, in fact it was in New York, who went through a deep trial. I mean a situation which probably most of us couldn't even relate to. And he said, would you meet me at work? And he got off at lunchtime and he told me about the deep trial he was experiencing. And he says, you know, Pastor, he said, what really is ironic about this whole thing is I still have a deep joy even though the problem is huge in my life, and it was huge. It's a joy we have when we come to know Christ as Savior that things are right between us and our God, the creator of the universe. It's a joy that we know that God loves us. And you've probably heard this many times before, but there are a lot of people who kind of, ah, I'm not really sure that God loves me that much. I mean, we know he loves the missionaries. We know he loves people in full-time minute. Yes, he loves us. And he sent his son to give his life for every one of us. He loves us very much. And that's brought out real clearly in John's gospel. The, uh, the journey of the wise men. We're going to be talking about this. Some people are on a journey today. They are literally trying to find out who they are. I've heard people say, you know, I'm still trying to find out who I really am. Uh, I've heard other people say, I'm on a journey and I'm trying to find uh, real love in my life. I've had other people say, I'm on a journey and I haven't gotten to the place where I enjoy life as I should. Uh, there's a lot of things I'm not satisfied about. You know, you can pray with people who are on that journey. And you can tell them, you know, at the end of your journey is the Lord Jesus Christ. I like to when uh, some cults come knocking on the door. I'm not even going to in the name of one of the cults. But uh, I like to say this. And there's a lot of things you can say to people who are in false cults. 
one of the things I like to look them right in the eye and say, you know, uh, I know that you want to share what you know, but you know, we're on a journey in this life. And you're on a journey too. And when you come to the end of your journey, Jesus Christ is going to be there. He's the only Savior from sin. And you need Him as your Lord and Savior. And uh, boy, that's, that's a good thing to say to religious people. Uh, they need to hear that as well. Well, the account starts, and I'm going to read again verses 1 and 2. Matthew chapter 2. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who is born king of the Jews? Notice now, born king of the Jews. For we have seen his star in the east, and have come to worship him. Probably events, the events in this chapter uh, occurred uh, at least several months, perhaps even up to two years after the birth of Christ. And um, we see in 2.11 that when the, uh, the wise men found the Christ child, uh, Mary and Joseph, the family, was not staying in the stable but they were in a house, okay? And uh, the Savior, of course, was born in Bethlehem of Judea, which is five or six miles south of Jerusalem in a very fertile hill country, uh, uh, the hill country of Judea. At Bethlehem, the Old Testament tells us that uh, Jacob buried Rachel, and I understand from people who have been to Israel. By the way, uh, how many in our fellowship have taking a tour to the land of Israel. A little higher, please. Not a whole lot of us. Okay, we need to get a bus ready. <laughs> it is an interesting, very... You talk to people who have been to the Holy Land, and they say, you know, I look at the Bible a little differently. Uh, I, I get more perspective on some of the portions of Scripture uh, that I never had before. And I'm sure it's a real privilege. But we are told that uh, tourists today are taken to Bethlehem and shown the traditional site of the tomb of uh, Rachel, uh, where Jacob buried, uh, pardon me, buried Rachel. Uh, here, Ruth married Boaz, and then, of course, their grandson, David, who became king of Israel in Bethlehem, in that area, David grew up and tended sheep. And by the time Christ was born, Bethlehem was called the city of David, because David was greatly loved as the king of Israel. And of course, you know, in, <clears throat> pardon me, in Micah chapter 5, it was prophesied, a very clear prophesy, that, uh, prophecy rather, that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem of Judea. Now, uh, verse 1 also mentions Herod the king. And uh, Herod the king was known as Herod the Great, and he wasn't great by any manner or means. Um, Julius Caesar appointed Herod's father, Anapother, to be the governor of Judea when Rome occupied what we now call the land of Israel. Antipother had his son Herod made the ruler of Galilee. Herod, while he was the governor over Galilee, stopped all the Jewish Warriors and rebellion against the nation of Rome. He really put down small uh, groups of rebellious 
Jewish warriors. So therefore, in 40 BC, and this is interesting, Herod was declared by Octavian and Antony, as well as the Roman Senate. Don't miss this now. Herod was declared the king of the Jews. You see why when someone came to town and said, we're looking for the one who's born king of the Jews, Herod goes, wait a minute. I'm king of the Jews. And he wasn't, of course. He was a, um, a, a cruel and merciless ruler in Rome at that time. And he was always very suspicious and afraid of his position and power. Uh, i tell you why he's called a cruel person. He killed his wife, her mother, two of his sons, killed them, and then later killed another son as well. And, of course, his extreme cruelty is seen in the fact recorded in 2.16 in Matthew's Gospel that he had all children who were in Bethlehem and all of its districts from two years old and under put to death because he wanted to eliminate this one who was born king of the Jews. The Magi came from the east. The text sometimes says wise men from the east. And this is a very well-known account in Scripture, but it's clouded a lot by myth and tradition. In fact, during the Middle Ages, that would be the time frame between about 400 A.D. and 1000 A.D., during the Middle Ages, legends developed about the wise men. Okay? And the legends include these things. The first of all, that they were kings. Secondly, that they were three in number. And thirdly, that their names were Caspar, Belfashar, and Melchior. We don't know what their names were. Okay? You say, where do these things come from? The Middle Ages, people sitting down, starting to do some writing. The Bible doesn't say that at all. In fact, probably... There were more than three because back in that day, if these men were bringing along gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and they had valuables that they wanted to give as a gift to the Christ child, um, they were in a large group so they could defend themselves. And In fact, they were in a large group. We, we really surmise because when they went into Jerusalem, the whole community was stirred by their arriving. If just three individuals uh, came in on three camels probably wouldn't have shaken them up but it shook them up when that group of men came into town uh, again we are not told their names we're not told how many there were and that we are not told their means of transportation but again it probably was camels because of the area that they had to come across The text, again, of Scripture does not tell us the country that they came from. Uh, it says that they came from the east, and I believe, and you do your own research on this, but I believe it was probably from the area of Persia or Babylon, which took over the Persians, where uh, many people in Israel uh, were in captivity for 70 years. And uh, I believe this is how, through the Jewish people that were there, they found out about a true Messiah being promised by the creator God of the universe. Uh, they were student of the stars, and they were aroused by this brilliant light, perhaps a star. But we're not absolutely sure uh, what this 
strange star was. Uh, some students of Scripture believe it was a star brought down closer to the earth based on Numbers 24:17, uh, where it reads, A star shall come out of Jacob, a scepter rise out of Israel. A, a ruler is going to come, a ruler sent from God in that prophecy. Numbers 24:17. We don't know for sure that um, this is what prompted them. We know that the star did. That God used the star. And the important point here is this, that God brought the birth of the king of Israel, the king of kings from our perspective, to the attention of the magi or Gentiles. Remember, Jesus Christ came to be the Savior, not only of the Jews, but of Gentile, non-Jews as well. And I often think, um, people in Israel today, Jewish people, wonder what they're thinking when they hear us sing songs like, Born is the King of Israel. I'm wondering, you know, how, how is God using that in their thoughts? Because the Word of God clearly teaches that Jesus Christ came as the King of Israel. And that King of Israel was not just for Israel. but he was to become King of kings and Lord of lords of all the nations of the earth. In fact, I love to look at prophecy. And we're going to deal with some prophecy in the coming months ahead. But um, 700 years before the birth of Christ, in Isaiah 11.10, it says, In that day there shall be a root of Jesse, father of David, who shall stand as a banner to the people. Now watch this carefully. Isaiah 11.10, 700 years before the birth of Christ, and it says, For the Gentiles shall seek him. You know, if you like to look at the text of Scripture, this is saying, Isaiah chapter 11, verse 10, that's a prophecy that the wise men would go to Jerusalem and then to Bethlehem to see the Lord Jesus Christ. The Magi journeyed, of course, many months, possibly up to two years, to leave from Babylon and go to Jerusalem to see the newborn king. Uh, Matthew put this account in his gospel. By the way, it's not in the other gospels. Remember, there's four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's only in Matthew's gospel. He put it in there for a reason. Matthew primarily wrote to Jewish people who didn't understand the fact that the Savior, the promised Messiah, had come. And he's going to tell them about Jesus Christ, how he's the promised one of all the Old Testament scriptures. And there are literally hundreds of prophecies concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. But Matthew includes Matthew chapter 2 to remind his Jewish leaders, number one, that the event of Jesus' birth had a worldwide impact. Number two, that the Messiah was coming through the nation of Israel as a gift to the other nations. And again, when we look at the scriptures and we see that God wanted the nation of Israel to be a witness and to a testimony to the true and living God, the God who would send his son. And, and it's hard for us. It really is. Sometimes I, I read the Bible, and some of you have told me this as well, that you're reading the Bible and you see all that God did for the people of Israel, how he parted the Red Sea and allowed them to go across on dry land, how he said, I love you as a people, I'm going to bless you as a people if you stay close to me. But they wandered and, and they, um, they started trying to follow the gods. In fact, not trying. 
they began to follow the gods of the other nations around them, pagan gods, and, and we say to ourselves, how in the world could that happen? After all that God did for them. Well, I think that's one of the things that's carefully recorded in Scripture to remind us. It could be very easy for us to start loving this world more than we love our Savior. And it's very easy for anyone to, we use the term backslide, to move away from the Lord, allow something else to get into the place where the Lord should be in our lives. In fact, in 1 John, the Apostle John ends that book, 1 John, and he says, Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Be careful that you don't let anything take the place of Christ in your life. Make sure you give the Lord the love and devotion that he deserves. So um, Matthew put this in to show that Jesus Christ came not just for the people of Israel, but for all peoples. In fact, we looked at this already. You remember the message of the angel to the shepherds, the announcement, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. We have that great message. It's for all people. And that's why we send out missionaries. That's why when we give our gifts, we're not only giving to our ministry here, but we're giving to those who are serving Christ in other lands. And some of our missionaries are serving Christ in places where it's very dangerous to be. But we want people there to hear that Jesus Christ came for them as well. How awesome. And furthermore, I think Matthew put this in his gospel because he wanted the Jewish people to see that there's a tremendous contrast between the response of the religious Jewish leaders, the scribes, and the magi. The scribes, they were quite indifferent to Christ. Uh, In fact, um, they're the ones that said when they were asked, uh, where is this? King of the Jews to be born. And they knew Micah 5 too. They knew what the Bible said. And they said in Bethlehem, did they go to look for Christ? No. They didn't go to look for Christ. You know what that tells me? We constantly need to be those who want to respond to the Word of God. See, they knew the Scriptures. And sometimes you'll have talked to people who are maybe in these, like talked about a while ago, false cults, false groups. And, oh, they know that the Bible says this and the Bible says that. Yes, but the Bible points to our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the theme of Scripture. He's the only Savior. And we have to be very careful just knowing the academics of the Word of God and always make sure that we're allowing the Spirit of the Lord to touch our hearts with the truth of the Word of God. The uh, contrast is there between the chief priests and the scribes and the magi who, when they found the Christ child, they were filled with joy. They said, man, this is awesome that God allowed us to come and see this young. Now, remember, just a child, just a child. But he, who is the child? It's the promised Savior. It's the promised Lord of glory who left the throne room of the Father and came down to earth for you and for me. And the Magi said this, and I love it. They said, we have seen his star in the east and we've come to worship him. The identity of the star is, people debate on what this could have been. Some have suggested it was Jupiter, 
the king of the planets. Others suggest that it was the coming together of Jupiter and Saturn. Others said it may have been a low-hanging meteor. I'll tell you what it was. I'll tell you what I believe the Bible does tell us what it is. I believe it was a manifestation of the glory of God that appeared as a star. It was a manifestation of the glory of God. The same glory that shone around when the message was given to the shepherds at the time of the very birth of Christ. Throughout the Old Testament, God's glory was always manifested as light. The <laughs> Bible says a lot about God being light. God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. You remember the account in Matthew chapter 17 where Jesus is up on the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James, and John. And Moses and Elijah show up. I love to look at that account. And the text of Scripture says that in that moment, up on the mount there, his face shone like the sun. You see, the glory of God was found in the person of Jesus Christ. That must have been something. And I believe Peter, James, and John never forgot the fact that the Lord unveiled his glory as man, the God-man, and they could see that he was truly the glorious God of the Word of God of the Old Testament. And it's interesting because both the Hebrew word, kokab, and the Greek word, aster, are words which are translated star in the Scriptures, but also could refer to a great brilliance. And that's why I'm saying that probably it was that brilliance that they saw in the east and then later they saw again in Jerusalem and then it went over the place where the young child was. It was probably the glory of God that appeared like an extremely bright star. And here's something else I think, and you do your checking on it if you want to. Uh, I believe that the uh, brilliance of the star which guided them was uh, visible only to the eyes of the Magi. I don't think everybody saw it. I think only the Magi saw it. It appeared to them in the east, and then it reappeared when they were in Jerusalem and guided them when they were uh, down from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. It is the uh, star, the text of Scripture says, it went before them, it guided them. And you know, this is important. This is really important. God doesn't use brilliant stars today or the manifestation of himself in light. But you know, God does guide us. And uh, I heard stories of how students at Dallas Seminary used to go to the founder, Dr. Chafer. And they used to say, Dr. Chafer, you know, the disciples had Jesus right there and he would tell them what to do. and, And here we are and whatever year they were at the seminary. And uh, sometimes it's hard for us to figure out how God's leading us. And Dr. Chafer always used to say, yes, but God does lead his people. In fact, we know that to be true as believers. We know how God leads us. It's very important to understand. Uh, When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy because they knew God was doing something in their lives and their experience. God does guide us. And uh, we're right at the door of a new year. And, you know, it's good for us even now, even in this coming week, to be praying about God's leading in this coming year. 
because none of us can really look ahead and see the kind of decisions we're going to have to make and what decisions we will make. So we say, Lord, I need you to guide me. I really do. Do I need to go here in this month? Do I need to do this? Do I need to make changes in my life? Um, I love Psalm 32.8 where the Lord says through the psalmist, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you shall go. I will guide you with my eye upon you. Pretty clear, isn't it? That God wants to guide us as well. So they came to uh, Jerusalem for one purpose. They wanted to find the one born king of the Jews. And they specifically said, we want to find him and we want to worship him. Stating that to Herod. These men, even though they had very limited spiritual light, they recognized that God was doing something in their lives and they had what we call seeking hearts. Jeremiah 29:13 says, the Lord speaking says, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. So it's really true that there are people out here who don't know Christ And I realize this John passage, I'll get back to that in a minute. But there are people out here who don't know Christ yet, who are really seeking. Now, a lot of people say, well, you know, they're really seeking Christ because no man can come to Christ unless God draws him. I believe it's John chapter 6. And that's true. But God's working in people's heart. We call that the pre-salvation work of Christ. And uh, it would be neat to have some testimony sometime how God was working in your life before you came to Christ, you know. And uh, all our lives were different. But some way or another, he worked in your heart and your life, and he brought you to himself. In fact, he got you to the place where you desired to seek him. Remember Jeremiah 29:13, And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. That um, desire... To know the Lord, to draw close to the Lord is very, very important. John 7, 17, Jesus said, If anyone wills to do his will, he shall know the things that I teach, that they are the truth that come from the Father in heaven. Well, quickly, the text says they fell down, verse 11, and worshipped him. And specifically says the child, not the mother. Very important. We don't worship Mary. Mary is not an intercessor between us and God. Jesus Christ is one meteor between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And uh, you need to encourage those who may consider Mary to be an intercessor. Uh, No, Jesus is the intercessor. God used Mary as an instrument, but Jesus is the intercessor. They fell down and they worshiped. Clearly, the text says, the child. And God led them, of course, uh, to Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. They worshipped him. There was genuine worship. And in their worship, they gave gifts to him. And uh, it's really important that we keep reminding ourselves when we bring our gifts and our offerings that we're ultimately, we're giving to the Lord. And that we want to honor him uh, with the things that he has blessed us with. Uh, One of our brothers always prays Almost always, he says, Lord, we thank you for the gifts that we have, and we know that all that we have has been given to us by you. You actually own it all, and that's so true. Just a review of the gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. 
Gold has been considered the most precious of metals. Uh, it's also a symbol of nobility and royalty. Remember, Matthew, when he writes this gospel, is writing about Jesus Christ, the King of the Jews. But he goes on and says, King of kings and Lord of lords. Gold was a gift fit for a king. Frankincense is a beautiful and uh, beautiful smelling uh, gum that comes from the bark of certain trees. It was only used in Old Testament times on special occasions. It was actually sometimes sprinkled on grain offerings in the tabernacle and in the temple. It was a very special um, a gift to give to the young child Jesus. Uh, frankincense or incense. And then the last one, of course, was myrrh. And that was a much-valued spice and perfume. And it also came from trees. And you've probably heard this before. The myrrh was used in Bible times to embalm those who had died. And the myrrh was used. And, of course, uh, this is looking forward to pardon me, the death of Jesus Christ, the God-man. Gold stands for his royalty. Incense stands for his deity. And, of course, the myrrh looks at his humanity. Well, after they worshipped the Lord and they gave their gifts, of course, um, the Lord appeared to them, and they were warned not to return to Herod. And so they took a different path to go back to the east. Uh, many believe they probably went south out of Bethlehem, down under the Dead Sea, and then went up north again and turned back to the east. It is amazing how the Lord um, took care of, was lured over, uh, guided in the protection of his own son, uh, the divine intervention. And by the way, if you just think of that term, divine intervention, that's what happened in our lives. When you were saved, the very time you were saved, God was intervening. I can still remember the night I trusted Christ. Can you... Can you remember when you trusted the Lord as your Savior? Some people can't. You know, I was really young, you know, and I, I can't remember. But the fact that you know you were younger when you trusted Christ, divine intervention, uh, God came to work in your life. Now, quickly, let's wrap it up by saying these things. First of all, God used a star or a brilliance to guide the Magi to Christ. You know, when you stop to think about it, God used some travel guide, a human being, to get you and me to Christ. Somebody different for you than me. Many of you can say, I, I remember who I was with when I trusted the Lord as my Savior. Many of you can say, I remember the person that actually talked to me about my need for the Lord Jesus Christ. God uses travel guides to bring people to Christ. And probably if you're praying right now today for someone who needs Christ, uh, you're a travel guide in their lives. In fact, the Lord may want you to verbally speak and communicate to someone who needs Christ that you can find Him if you'll realize that you need Him as your Lord and Savior. God provided a travel guide for each of us to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And remember this, please. He wants us to be travel guides 
as well. Also, the account is very clear. The text of Scripture says that the Magi diligently sought the Lord. They um, made that long journey. They had that desire to see the Christ child. That desire was put in their hearts. And they sought him. And again, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. So we need to keep praying for those who don't know Christ. And I'm praying for some people. I'm sure you are too. Maybe some people who are away from the Lord. And you know what Satan says? Ah, you don't want to keep praying. I mean, you've prayed enough. (laughs) You know, if you ever get discouraged in praying, you can tell yourself who's tapping on your shoulder. It's not the Lord. He wants us to continue to pray and seek Him. So don't stop praying for that person who's out of fellowship with the Lord. Don't stop praying for that person who's unsaved. Keep them on your prayer list. It's amazing what the Lord will do. And one more. During their months of travel, the Magi greatly anticipated seeing the one born to be king of the Jews. They knew they were going to see just a young child. And they really looked forward to it. My friends, we look forward to seeing the Lord Jesus Christ as King of kings and Lord of lords. The risen Savior, the one who died on the cross for our sins. We look forward to seeing the nail scarred in his hands. We look forward to seeing that one who guided us all through our journey and finally was with us until he called us home. We look forward with great anticipation. Do you think the Lord might come back in 2019? It's possible, isn't it? Anybody who's going to say it's not possible? We want to see you after the service. (laughs) He could come back in 2019. What a Savior we have. We today anticipate seeing the Lord Jesus Christ, not as a babe, but seeing our risen Savior, and what a day that's going to be when we see our Lord. Lastly, you know, the Bible is very clear that the wise men sought him. And there's a good gospel track that says, uh, I don't have that one. It says the wise men still seek him. Wise, In fact, the sign's across the street from the church in someone's yard there. Wise men still seek him. And that's true. You have some people who are still seeking the Lord. As believers, we want to seek the Lord because we want closer fellowship with him. We want a stronger relationship with Jesus Christ in 2019 than we had in 2018. We want to seek Him. And even lost people seek Him. However, you know what's the beautiful thing in Scripture? We close with this. The Bible tells us that Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him or her and sup with him or her and he or she will sup with me. Boy, that's beautiful. That's telling us that the Lord is going after some people. And we don't always know who they are, but, you know, we should say, Lord, I'm willing. I'm willing to be a travel guide to bring someone else to saving faith in you. The Magi, oh, what an example they are. How awesome to see these people with probably a very limited knowledge of the word of God but they made that long journey they were guided by God and they found the Christ child let's pray together